You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello and welcome to the Trowers and Hamlins podcast, Investing in Social Value. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing our collaboration with the Social Market Foundation. As a firm, we've got a long history of exploring the link between real estate and societal value. And I think many people have asked us in the past, why would a law firm commission research about social value and why are we so interested in it? And I think it's fair to say that not only is it um, a firm passion, but it's also a personal passion of mine that real estate has such a huge role to play, not only for the economy, but also actually for society. And if the one thing that I think COVID has shown and pandemic has shown is how important the built environment is to people's lives and how it can affect both mental health and physical health. So that's why it's so important to us to explore this topic and to really understand the topic. In 2016, we did a collaboration with Oxford Brookes University and we launched our highly valued hard to value report. And that was looking at a wider assessment of value beyond the financial measurements, but showing how this can actually create what we call real value um, to deliver better and more sustainable developments. We took this on to a next stage in 2018 when we did our work with Real Worth on our Real Value Report. And that was actually trying to look at how you could create a methodology for financial valuation of societal impact and presented recommendations to enhance existing methods of valuation for both the public and private sectors. I think the interesting thing around that point is how many different types of value of, of valuations are out there and, and is there one right or wrong? And I think that that's very much um, a big point of debate at the moment in the world of looking at societal value. Most recently, we've worked with Ing Media's um, City Strategist conducting uh, two YouGov surveys and bringing over 160 people together to really examine what real estate's role is in providing platform in different arenas for society to survive and, and looking at the fact that one size doesn't fit all. Different cities require different things. So this is just an extension to all the work we've been doing in relation to societal value and social value. And it'll be what we are focusing on for the next year as part of our firm-wide commitment to responsible business and supporting our clients across all sectors to transfer their organisations into responsible business, but also to make sure that we as Trowers are truly committed to being a responsible business. So we're going to be talking to Scott Call from the Social Market Foundation today, who we commissioned to bring together views around investment from investors and other leading real estate voices. And what we really wanted to get from this is to understand how the investment community is now looking at the S in the ESG and how is that actually influencing decision making. Welcome, Scott. Hello. Could you just give us a little bit of an introduction to the Social Market Foundation? Sure. So I'm Scott Corf. I'm the research director at the Social Market Foundation. We're one of um, Britain's leading politically independent think tank. We're, we're not aligned to any political party in the UK, and our research spans a wide range of areas from public service reform to uh, consumer markets. And increasingly looking at this space, the ESG agenda, the corporate governance agenda, and trying to understand how companies are are thinking about each of those components of ESG and and how it is actually shaping decision making. And when you started talking to the various investors and and looking at bringing this this report together, what were the key things that came out of it? Well, a number of things came out of the depth interviews we did as part of this project. I think that the first point to note is there was unanimous agreement amongst everyone that we spoke to that social value is a concept of increasing importance with respect to real estate um, development and investment. And it's not something that's just being seen as a tick box exercise and something you need to do to do for reputational reasons. It's for so many of the people we interviewed, this was seen as 
a core part of their business. It was seen as something that they wanted to do. And there was a lot of pressure from staff within the organization for companies to pursue this agenda. So it was something that was increasingly deeply embedded within companies rather than rather than just being a tick box exercise. Having said that, what we saw from our depth interviews was that companies were at different points of the journey in terms of how, how far they were embedding social value into their organization. Some were just dipping their toes into the water in terms of exploring it, measuring it, considering it, uh, using some off-the-shelf tools that are being developed, using some of the standard measurements like the uh, National TOMS or the Social Value Bank. Others had gone further than this and developed their own bespoke frameworks for considering and measuring social value. And doing all they can to make sure that it, it works for them as a business. So they are in different places. And then the other thing that came out of these interviews was some of the challenges in, in terms of embedding social value. And I think there's two sort of key areas here. One is measurements remains a challenge compared with the E in ESG, the environment. The S is a lot harder to measure and grapple with. Um, how do you put a pound value on something like a, a well-being impact or reductions in loneliness or improvements in public health? There are methodologies in place for, for monetizing this and measuring it, but there is a lot more disagreement around this and also a lot of debate around what, what is included in the concept of social value. Does it in fact include the E in the ESG as well? Is it just looking at the S? And within that S, what do you include? So measurement remains an issue. And then the other issue here is accountability and how do we ensure that we hold developers, investors to account when they when they promise to deliver on social value, but they don't actually do so in practice. And at the moment, there is relatively little in the way of accountability and ensuring that you do hold investors, developers to account. Um, some people that we spoke to were taking steps to improve accountability. So embedding social value into, into contracts, for example, and having potentially penalties if social value doesn't materialize in, in progress. And then others we're working with external consultancies to hold them to account. So the, the consultancy would report back on how far they were meeting their social value objectives. And I think what's, for me, what's been really interesting is when we first did our first bit of research in 2016, this really was regarded as a bit cutting edge. Why was anyone talking about the S? You know, it was, yes, people thought it was a nice to have, but it was very much a nice to have rather than a need to have. And I thought the interesting bit that has come out of your conversations is people are now finally getting it's a need to have. And I, I think that's a huge move from where we were. Was there anything in, in the conversations you had with the different investors that was a, a surprise to you or something that, you know, that stood out as being, well, I wasn't quite expecting that? I think one thing that I, I found really interesting here was the the drivers of this this increased prominence of social value. Is it, it's hard to to pin down the increasing importance of it to, to one particular area. And from the conversations we had, a, a wide range of uh, reasons were given for why social value had, had risen up the agenda. Some people mentioned the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Others mentioned the, the Social Value Act and government procurement decisions being a key factor. Others mentioned local authorities increasingly demanding more from developers. So local authorities demanding a social value strategy from developers, local authorities increasingly looking at developers delivering social value as a way of meeting some of their mandatory requirements around, around things like homelessness reduction. And then others were talking about demand, demand from the client side. So people, people increasingly wanting a social return as well as a financial return. And then also the pressures within the business, the, the employees at the C-suite level, the desire to do more on social value. So it's really hard to say any one of these factors was the, the key reason why social value has become so much more important. It, it really is 
wide range of issues. I think what's interesting about all of that is, is as well, because there are so many different issues, that's why it's so hard to measure, because actually people come at it from slightly different angles. And I know there's a debate out there is, is whether there should be something that's a little bit more consistent. But actually, I think the fact that businesses are looking at it slightly differently is quite a good thing. And I do think there's something about the fact that the world is changing. And actually, generations are now saying, no, you've got to, as a business, be responsible and, and, and do more. From those different approaches those organisations are taking, though, was anything consistent you could see that could be adopted more widely to help in delivering the social outcomes? Well, I think there is a there is a bit of a tension here between do you have some standardised measurement or do you have some more bespoke measurements? And the benefits of having the, these off-the-shelf measures that can be, be widely adopted is, is you do have a bit more accountability there because companies might be reporting back on uh, the same metrics and you can compare and contrast the social value impact of different organizations and different developments. Uh, the risk of that approach though is when you have standardized metrics and you expect a wide range of organizations to follow them is it does become a bit more of a tick box exercise and and therefore people might not even go down the right route in terms of maximizing the social value of the projects they're working on. So there are some pitfalls of these measures and by their nature, they will focus on the things that are easier, easier to measure. So therefore that can skew the, the elements of social value that developers are focusing on. They might focus on say employment impacts of a development if they are easier to measure and less so on well-being impacts of a development because that's, that's less easy to grapple with. It might not be included in, in those standardized measures to as much of an extent. Therefore, it might not lead to the best outcomes in practice. So there are merits of going down this approach of having more bespoke measurements, but then you get into the issue of comparability. And if everyone's adopting their, their own framework or specific subsectors of real estate are, are adopting their own frameworks, it becomes harder to compare and contrast. So I think you, you probably want, want a mixture of both. You, you do want some standardized metrics that are reported back on across the board and that does allow an element of comparability but then you do want something more bespoke at least for a subsector of real estate whether that whether that's housing or or commercial real estate um, for example so ha- having that mixed approach is probably the best route to go down to ensure that y- you don't become too tick box you have something that's, that's right for a specific kind of development and it's something that can be embedded within an organization and lead to the best outcomes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I mean, just looking at it from a purely um, personal perspective in terms of, of being in the legal profession, you know, some of these matrix that work out in a wider real estate industry for professional services don't, and not because we don't want to, we just simply can't actually do them. Um, so I think that idea of having some consistency, but having a, a mix around it for the different sort of subsectors is, is really important. The other interesting side of it that I will be interested in your view on is the international examples um, and whether there are international examples you've seen as part of this research project or other research projects that we could maybe look at more closely or learn from? Well, our, our research focused mainly on, on the UK. But having said that, one thing that came up in our discussions is that the S in ESG is, is quite complex at an international level. And what you mean by the S does differ across markets. Um, so what we might want to include in the S in the UK will differ with other parts of Europe or United States or Middle East or Asia. So what is regarded as E, e in ESG will differ. And then also the relative weighting of, of what goes into social value would differ as well, depending on the priorities within each area. So there, there is perhaps that distinction compared with the E in ESG where carbon emissions is something a bit more universal. Um, so I think there's additional complexities here when we start to look at it uh, across countries. Yeah, and I think just from my perspective, having just come back from the Middle East, it's interesting there that it's now coming up the agenda in a way that probably it hasn't done before. But 
or how it's been looked at is very differently than it's been looked at in the UK, for example. So I, I can see that. The good thing out of all of this is that um, it does feel like the tide is turning on the wider buy-in, not just for the social value, but for the, the, the wider responsible business agenda. And I suppose what I'm really interested in, and in suppose I was combining two things together here, is what do you think the main drivers behind that? We've talked about the staff uh, I'd organise it that way, but do you think there's some of the key drivers, particularly for the financial world? And who is in the driving seat or who should be in the driving seat, I suppose, when it comes to those drivers? Well, one thing we explored in our interviews was the, the extent to which there is a tension between pursuing financial objectives and, and pursuing social value. And one thing that there was broad agreement on in, in the interviews was that that tension is becoming less and less pervasive and, and quite often pursuing social value leads to better financial outcomes in the long run. So one of the things we we talked about in, in, in these interviews at length was the, the link between social value and concepts like placemaking and placekeeping in, in real estate. And, and quite often they, they, these, these concepts are very closely aligned. If, if you have a development that, that's long lasting, you've got good social value impact, you're probably reducing the, the risk of obsolescence of that development. It's probably not going to go the way of the zombie shopping malls in the United States or, or the department stores in the UK. Uh, you're, you're embedding more features in it that mean it's going to be more long lasting and, and guarantee more long term financial returns. So I think that tension is diminishing, and that might be one reason why this is becoming more broadly discussed in the financial community, because actually social value is being seen as something you need to do to guarantee long-run long returns. And one other thing that came up in our discussions was the, the impact of the decline in global interest rates on the sort of decision-making horizon of investors, that the long-term decline in interest rates has caused investors to take a more long-term view on, on real estate. And and think about concepts like placekeeping and social value as, as a way of guaranteeing these longer term returns. I think the vibe I'm, I'm sort of getting from this conversation and also from the, from the report is that while in the past the investors and developers have been accused of playing sort of lip service a little bit to the social outcomes of the project and, you know, being honest, sitting sometimes on the side of the table, you can see it. Uh, actually, the people you were speaking to this time around were genuinely more engaged, more passionate about it. And it's been driven from a higher level, maybe in the in the businesses. It's it's much more that direct, that top level now who are actually pushing it, pushing it ahead. Is that is that right? Is that the right sort of impression of what I've got? <clears throat> Absolutely. So this is being driven at a high level within companies. I think the one area where perhaps social value isn't being fully reflected at the moment is in in valuation of real estate. One thing that came up in one of our interviews was the extent to which going forward, we might increasingly see social value being embedded into valuation of real estate. Now, at the moment, we, we might be looking at looking at valuation completely the wrong way. And going forward, actually one way around the measurement issue of social value might be in, in terms of how, how it's priced and what, 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 the, what the sales value and, and the rental prices of real estate are with with those developments offering more in the way of social value, commanding higher prices. Yeah, and I think the valuation point is a really interesting one because that came up at the very beginning of when we started doing our research in 2016, which was, well, without the valuers almost pricing this in, how are you ever going to really sort of embed it all the, all the way through? So it's interesting that that is still out there. That's still, still a big point. I suppose the, the other thing that I was quite interested in was the levelling up agenda in the UK. And that combined with the global social economic impacts of the pandemic, and I suppose combined with what's happening in the world at the moment with the crisis in Ukraine, is that going to accelerate or slow the rate of change, do you think, based on your conversations? Because there's so many things in the mixing pot at the moment. I think it is. And I think there's two key things here. So one is the impact of the pandemic on the social value agenda. Now, 
a number of the people we spoke to did say that the pandemic had led to social value going even further up the agenda. In particular, it's caused more people to think beyond the pure economics of a development and to think about the role of real estate in things like a sense of isolation, well-being and public health. And more consideration is now being given to how we can embed public health into real estate, for example, post-pandemic. And then also some people mentioned that local authorities were asking more of developers on this front, like, what are you doing to help us achieve recovery from the pandemic going forward with your plans? But there's also the longer term picture here. And some of this has been accelerated by the pandemic, the, the shift towards online retail and also the, the changing nature of work, more people working remotely rather than working from an office. And this has uh, really livened up the debate about what is the future of town and city centres and how do we repurpose spaces in, in a way that guarantees that these will be vibrant communities going forward. And clearly social value has a huge role in how we think about the future of town and city centres. And I think increasingly we, we will be thinking about how can we how can we repurpose these spaces in a way that improves well-being, improves public health and, and brings people together given that some of the more traditional ways that we that we meet each other at, at work or or in the shops are, are disappearing. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a really interesting 24 months, I suppose, in looking and see how, how all this flows through. Um, so how do you see the next phase of this report sort of developing? So this was phase one of the reports where we under these deaf interviews to understand how social value was shaping decision making, where it sat, sat on different companies' agendas. In phase two of the research, we're going to be focused on two key areas. So one is we want to understand what would be the wider economic and social benefits from giving social value greater consideration in decision making. And then building on from that, what is the role of policy in driving this agenda going forward? Now, we got some insights into that from our interviews around the potential role of regulation, the central government and, and local government in pushing the agenda forward. But we will be developing our thinking further over the next few months and looking to publish that report later in 2022. Great. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's really interesting. And I, I'm actually really excited about the next phase of the report to see where we get to, because that's the meat of it, really. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you very much for this podcast. For those of you listening, um, if you'd like to read a copy of this, please go to trowers.com and click on the S in the ESG on the homepage. Or you can also sign up to receive information about the next stages of the initiative as well. Also, if you follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Trowers, then again, all the information will be coming out on that. So thank you, Scott. And thank you for your time today. And I hope that everyone enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.